we're in lesson 17. So today we're going to talk about Joseph. And if you've been in any kind of children's Sunday school in your life, you always heard about Joseph and his what? Coat of many colors. In fact, uh, there have been movies and plays and Broadways, Joseph in a Technicolor, you know, jacket or whatever. You know, there's been all kinds of things about Joseph. So everybody thinks they know everything about Joseph. And while you may know the main parts of the story, we're going to talk about it, but also point out some things that you didn't know. Because in the midst of Joseph's story is a few other stories that you're kind of like, what? Why is that there? What does that have to do with anything? Well, Remember, our study through the Old Testament is about God, his people, and the Messiah. About God, his people, and the Messiah. So you've got to remember that. Even in Genesis, you're going to see those three things. So the Messiah is, the issue of the Messiah is going to come out. We're going to see that especially today in today's lesson. Okay? All right, so again, we're going to look at chapters 37, verse 2, through chapter 39. And we're not going to read all of this, okay? I would encourage you to read it on your own. But we're going to kind of go through that. So first thing we're going to talk about is Joseph and his dreams. So let me just stop for a moment. In, and it's still even true today, in the ancient Near East, in the ancient Middle East, dreams were a significant thing. To have a dream was a significant thing, and people always wanted to have an interpretation. Okay? Because in their mind, it was maybe the God or the gods speaking to them. All right? So it's very significant. Even today, even in the Islamic world, even in most of Africa, dreams are still a significant thing to them. So we're going to talk about dreams today in the life of Joseph. Now, they get his dreams get him in trouble, okay? His dreams get him in trouble, all right? So let's talk about that, first of all. At the very beginning of chapter 37... He's going to, the writer is going to spend, Moses is, is the writer, he's going to spend a few verses talking about Joseph's relationships with his brothers. Okay? Remember, he is the oldest son of Rachel. Okay? And there are brothers from the other three wives. All right? So, here we go. First thing we see is, is Joseph gave a bad report concerning his brothers to his father, okay? First thing you see about Joseph is he's out and he's with, it says he's with the sons of Bilhah, who is the concubine, handmaiden, and uh, he sees that they're not doing right when they're supposed to be taking care of sheep or something, or maybe they, whatever the report is, he goes back and tells his daddy, daddy, you won't believe what they're doing. And so if you are, okay, how many of you had siblings, brothers and sisters? How many of you have that? Okay. How many of you have ever done something you know you shouldn't have been doing, and one of your siblings went and told mama or daddy? How many of you will admit that? Okay, I'll admit it. All right. Now, how did you feel? Angry? Locked him in the closet? I mean, what? what? 
Jean sm smacking him with her hand, you know what I'm saying? How did you feel? Were you endeared to them? Were you endeared to them? No, no, not at all. I don't see too many perfect siblings here. Brian's being very quiet. Was he a perfect sibling? Okay. All right. All right. So now you can see what's going on here. First thing he starts off with is well, there was a, in fact, we had a nickname for them, right? They were a what? Tattletale, right? That's not a good thing to be called, right? All right. You're tattling on me. So Joseph gives a bad report concerning his brothers to his father. Now here's what adds to the problem is how Jacob views Joseph. Joseph Jacob favored Joseph above his brothers and gave him a multicolored tunic. We say coat, but it was a tunic. All right? He gave him a multicolored tunic to wear. What's a tunic? Well, a tunic, folks, is a, is a kind of dress that men wore then. A, a free-flowing outfit. Okay? Now, how do you think that makes people feel when one kid is being favored over another? How do you think that makes them feel? Okay, jealous, un unhappy, unwanted. You know what I'm saying? Yep, that's pretty good there, uh, Tim. Anybody else? Left out. Resentment. Is that? Do I hear anything? Anybody say yeah? Resentment. You know what I'm saying? Well, Dad, you're Dad's favorite. You know what I'm saying? So you're seeing the relationship here, which is not good, okay? Because Joseph, it looks like, spoiled the boy, okay? Spoiled the boy. Now, the, the brothers hated Joseph and could not speak peaceably to him. They hated him. You say, hate's a strong word. Folks, you're going to see that it's an accurate word. They literally hated him. They hated him. Now, with that, we see that Joseph has two dreams. Okay? So here's the first one. Joseph dreamed that they were binding sheaves, and his sheaf rose above the others. So they're binding sheaves. So they're binding sheaves of grain. First of all, they're agrarian, they're nomadic, they plant, they have sheep and goats. In his dream, they're binding sheaves, which would be normal, but then his sheaf rises above the others. The brothers were offended and hated him when he told them that their sheaves bowed to him. They were like really upset because he says to them, well, you know, my sheaf rose above yours and yours bowed down to me. Okay? Bowed down to me. Now, first of all, I've heard so many people say this. This is when if you've got that kind of dream, you don't share it. Do you know what I'm saying? You need to keep that one to yourself, right? Obviously... 
I don't know, Joseph needed his head examined or something because that's the not the, you got brothers who are not talking to you right because you're favored and uh, you're a tattletale. I mean, he must have been really spoiled because he goes, well, your sheaths bow down to me in a dream. And remember, they take dreams seriously. And they hated him. It just adds to the offense. Okay? So, here's the second thing, dream. In the second dream, he saw the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bow down to him. So he has a second dream. And in this second dream, he sees the sun and the moon and 11 stars bow down to him. Okay? Again, they're bowing down to him. And again, <laughs> he shares it. Okay? He shares it. So this time, his father rebuked Joseph for his dreams. This time, when daddy hears about it, he's like, what? Even your mom and I? What are you, what's the matter with you? Do you know what I'm saying? He rebukes him for his dreams. Now, the brothers hated Joseph even more, but Jacob kept the issue of the dream in his mind. Now, that's a significant thing. Now, I'm going to explain something to you. If, if, if somebody, if one of your kids said, hey, I had a dream, and I saw you and mommy bowing down to me, you know, you might say, what did you eat before you went to bed? Or you would say, just get that nonsense out of your brain, okay? And you would probably forget about it or maybe remember it years later and joke about it, okay? But it says here that Joseph pondered it in his mind. Now, I'm going to explain to you why Joseph, I mean, excuse me, Jacob pondered it in his mind. I'm going to explain to you why Jacob pondered it in his mind. Because remember now, Jacob has also had at one point, what did he have? He saw visions in his dreams. Remember the ladder ascending with angels going up and down and God at the top of the ladder? He's had visions. He's had visions of God coming and speaking to him. So when he hears his son do that, I mean, yes, it's an irritation and rebukes his son, but he ponders that because he's wise enough to know that maybe there's something to this because it's a dream. Remember, dreams are significant in their culture. In our culture, dreams aren't significant, are they? No, if somebody has a weird dream, where you're falling endlessly. Remember having one of those dreams? You're falling endlessly in your dream, and you're like you wake up before you hit the bottom. You ever had that kind of a dream? People have those kind of dreams. We would say, were you having an energy drink before you went to bed? We would say, you're nuts. I mean, did you not get enough sleep, or too much caffeine, or did you eat too many hot Italian sausages? What's going on here? Because we don't pay any mind to dreams. But in their culture, in their world, they did. So now we see that Joseph, we all know the story, gets sold into slavery. So let's kind of go through this a little bit, okay? Jacob sent Joseph to visit his brothers in order to get a report about the flocks. Now, Daddy's not helping him out here, is he? Dad wants to know what the brothers are up to, because they're out, they're out tending sheep somewhere away. And he says, I want you to go check on your brothers, bring me back a report, and tell me how the flock's doing. Not good, right, okay? 
So he sends Joseph out, and, and the scripture will tell you that Joseph goes to one area, and the guy says, well, no, I saw them over here, and so he heads out looking for the brothers. Now, the brothers plot to kill Joseph as they saw him coming near to him. Now, I explained something. Would you say hate's a good term now? I mean, you've got to really hate somebody to want to do them in, to wipe them out. And they're plotting here to eliminate him. That's some serious anger and resentment. So let me just stop for a moment. This family is not a functional family. It's a dysfunctional family, okay? Dysfunctional family. Reuben, one of the older brothers of Leah, suggested throwing him in a pit so that he could rescue Joseph later. So he understands his brothers are ticked off and angry, but he's hoping if we can throw him in a pit, they'll cool down and I'll rescue him later, later and send him back to daddy. You know what I'm saying? So Reuben's the, one of the older ones. He's obviously, what? Thinking. Okay? He's obviously thinking we can't be doing this, so he figures we'll throw him in a pit. Okay? Joseph then was seized and thrown into the pit. Now the pit probably, can I explain to you what it was? Probably was what was known as a cistern. Okay? In the Middle East, in, especially in, in the palace, what we would know as Palestine or Israel today, what was known as Canaan then, water is an issue. Okay? So what they would do is if you didn't have a well, you would dig a cistern, usually out of limestone. You would dig a big, huge hole and cover it with a stone, and what it would do, it would collect rainwater. Okay? It would collect rainwater so that if you need water, you would go to there and you would heave, you would, of course, get the water out of there. Now, what eventually happens with these is eventually some of them don't hold their water. They get a leak. And so eventually these pits just become garbage pits. And so you'll, they'll say there's cisterns throughout Israel now that, that, that are just filled with garbage, centuries of garbage. Or they fill up with silt and mud because you're talking about the run runoff, and so they're not worth anything. So he's thrown into this pit, okay? He's thrown in probably to a cistern, all right? Now, instead of killing him, the brothers sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. So the brothers sold him. They're like, you know what? Why bother killing him? Let's make some money off of him. So they sell him to the Ishmaelites. Now you'll notice if you have a new King James, it will say, one point it'll say Midianites. The next point it'll say Ishmaelites. They're the same. Okay? And he sells them to these Ishmaelite traders. Okay? Sells them to the Ishmaelite traders, the Midians, to basically they make a, sell them as a slave for 20 shekels of silver. Okay? 20 shekels of silver. Now, if you figure that out, okay, because obviously we're going to find out later that Reuben was not a part of this discussion, that's at least two shekels of silver for each one of the brothers. Because Benjamin's not there. You understand? So there's nine of them to divide these 20 shekels of silver among themselves. Interesting, isn't it? 
Or maybe, if you think about it, the ten brothers, and they just kind of keep Reuben's portion back, but he's obviously going to, we're going to see, is distraught because of what happens. Okay? So, when Reuben returned, he was grieved that Joseph was gone. He freaks out, rightfully so. What happens to him? So, the brothers deceived Jacob into thinking that Joseph was killed by a wild animal. So they have his multicolored tunic. They kill one of their flock. Of course, put blood on it, bring it to Jacob. Of course, they make the, the probably rip the tunic to make it look like he's been torn up by animals. And uh, go back and tell daddy uh, he's dead. And of course, Jacob grieves for the loss of his son. Okay? Jacob grieves for the loss of his son. The Ishmaelites sold Joseph to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. Okay? The Ishmaelites sold Joseph to Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard. Now we come to chapter 38, and you figure, well, the next thing we're going to hear about is Potiphar, right? When you figure that's the next thing you're going to hear about? Joseph in Egypt? Would make sense. That's the next part of the story, right? Actually, chapter 38 talks about Judah and a lady by the name of Tamar. Now, what does that have to do with the story? Why is this? In fact, when we go through this story, you're going to be wondering, why are we talking about this? This is just showing more dysfunction in the family. There's a reason. I'll tell you the reason after we go through the story. Okay? So we're going to talk about Jacob and Tamar. All right. Judah took a wife from the Canaanites who bore him three sons. So she took a wife from the Canaanites who bore him three sons. The first was Ur, the second was Onan, and the third was Selah, or Shelah, okay? All right, so Judah took Tamar as the wife for his firstborn heir. So Tamar is another Canaanite lady, we're assuming, and he takes her, maybe he negotiates with her parents or with her brothers, and, which remember that's the custom you dealt with the siblings, the brothers, as far as the marrying of a child, of a daughter. And he takes a wife. So Ur doesn't decide who his wife is here. Daddy decides who his wife is, okay? Aren't you glad you live in America, right? Okay? And so Judah took Tamar for the wife of his firstborn, Ur. Now, when Ur was killed by the Lord for his sin, now Ur did something that really angered God, and God killed him. The Lord killed him. All right? So when Ur was killed by the Lord for his sin, Tamar was given to his second son, Onan. This was their tradition. Their tradition, their culture... If you are the wife of the oldest boy, the oldest boy dies, you, the wife, are then given to the next in line. So you obviously don't have a choice here, right? Okay? Now, <clears throat> the Lord killed Onan as he, 
as well for refusing to fill, fulfill his obligation to his dead brother. What do you mean obligation to his dead brother? If you read the text, it's a little bit more graphic than that. He refused to engage in consummating the relationship completely. All right? The reason why is this. In their culture, and you're going to see it throughout the Old Testament, this is even the story of Ruth okay, and Boaz, and a kinsman redeemer. What ended up happening is, is that the heir to your inheritance was the oldest. And so what it would do is, is that that oldest would then have to have a son so that the name, the family name, could be carried on. The family name and the family inheritance could be passed on through the son. But if the oldest boy died, then the next oldest would assume, assume the role of the oldest son who died, and therefore his first son would become the son of the brother who died. You say, that's weird. That was their culture. And so Onan decides, there's no way I'm going to let my kid be to my brother. Because here's the thing, Onan could possibly have had two wives. Do you understand? Is it possible that I have more than one wife? Children through another wife would be what? His. Children through Tamar would be his what? Older brother. Do you understand? Kind of wild, isn't it? Okay? That's their culture. See, I'm trying to make this point to you because I want you to see how important it is to have an heir to have a son to carry on the family name, okay? Now, Judah told Tamar to remain a widow until the third son is old enough to marry. So the third boy is not even old enough to marry yet. Because tradition would say, okay, now you go to the third son. Okay? Now you go to the third son. Now, remember in the Gospels, remember the Pharisees, the Sadducees asked, the Sadducees actually asked Jesus, if there was a lady and she was married to all of the seven brothers and they all died, whose wife would she be in the resurrection? Remember that question? That's where it's coming from. Even up to Jesus' day, they were still carrying on this tradition, this cultural, basically law. Okay? So after the death of Judah's wife, Tamar disguised herself as a prostitute to deceive Judah. So after the death of his wife, Tamar decides she's going to take matters into her own hands. Because I think the boy is actually old enough to go to her, and Judah doesn't do that. So she decides to deceive Judah. She disguises herself as a prostitute, positions herself along the road for him. She did this because Judah's son had grown, and he would not give her to him. Probably he's thinking, okay, one wife, two dead sons, I don't think I'm going to give my third one. Because they're superstitious, okay? Thinking she was a prostitute, he went to her and negotiated her price. Okay, stop for a moment. Judah. Yes, I'm trying to show you that even though these are God's special people and they're in God's plan, 
They're not perfect, are they? Okay? That's not saying that he's doing right here. It's just showing you that God uses messed up people to bring about his plan. Okay? All right? He left his signet and cord and staff as a pledge for a price of a young goat. So he says, I don't have anything for you right now. All I, and she's, and he's got his signet ring. He has a cord, which is a special garment issue, and his staff, and he leaves that as a pledge. Now these are very personal items to him, so he leaves it as a pledge. I'll leave, give this to you if you will wait for the young goat later. Okay? So after their sexual encounter... She once again puts on the garments of her widowhood. She leaves him and goes back to where she was, gets rid of the prostitute outfit, and goes back to wearing her widow clothes. Okay? Goes back to wearing her widow clothes. Judah sent a young goat to receive back his pledge, but the prostitute could not be found. In fact, he inquired of people, he had his friend inquire of people who brought the goat where is the prostitute, by the way? And everybody says, what prostitute? There's no prostitute that hangs out here, by the way. Sad, isn't it? Three months later, Judah was told that Tamar was pregnant by prostitution. So three months later, life's going on, and the report comes to him, your daughter-in-law is pregnant by prostitution. And so he's angry. He's upset. He actually threatens to have her burned alive. Okay? So confronted with death, she proclaimed that she was pregnant by the owner of the pledge. So she produces what? The signet ring, the cord, and the staff and says, I'm pregnant by this guy. Who's who? Judah. Judah proclaimed that Tamar was more righteous because he withheld his son. He proclaimed that she was more righteous because he withheld his son. Interesting, isn't it? Now, we'll talk about Tamar's children because this is why this story is here. Okay? Why is this story, because we're talking about Joseph, okay? Why is this story there? What's this got to do with anything? Why would they spend time even talking about this, okay? Tamar gives birth to twin sons. She gives birth to twin sons. While the firstborn, Zerah, only showed his hand, so in the birthing process, She's got twins. One of them sticks his hand out, and they tie a red scarlet thread around it, pulls his hand back in. The second one, Perez, comes out first. Okay? Was born first. Now, why this story? Well, if you go through the lineage of Jesus, as is shown in the Gospels, you will see from, of course, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah. The next person in line for Jesus is Perez. 
Interesting. This story is important because it reflects something about the coming. It, it is adding to the story about who? The Messiah who would come. Okay? The Messiah who would come. All right. We got a few more things to go through here because I want to just get through this. Okay? Let me get through this real quickly with you. We're going to talk about he and Potiphar's house. You guys know this story, so let me just kind of go through this with you. Okay? Okay, did I skip some? Okay. All right. Seeing that the Lord was blessing Joseph, Potiphar made him chief overseer over his house. So he's in the house of this Egyptian captain of the army, this official of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh sees that the Lord is blessing Joseph. And so he makes Joseph an overseer or the top person in his household over his servants, okay, taking care of his house. Now, Potiphar has a wife. Potiphar's wife was attracted to Joseph because he was handsome in appearance. We all know this story, okay? So the wife is eyeballing Joseph, okay? Eyeballing Joseph. She tried to seduce him after placing him in a situation where he was alone in the house. Okay, and we know this story. She tries to seduce him. He refuses. Says he cannot do this great sin against God. He fled from her while leaving his garment in her hand. Now remember, they're just wearing tunics. They're just wearing, did you understand? They're not wearing pants. You know, there's like how, if she could just grab a hold of his garment, if he runs, it rips or whatever. He runs out of there naked, probably, and she's got this garment in her hand. Spurned by Joseph, Potiphar's wife accused him of rape. So she accuses him of rape. And what adds to it is the fact that he is a Hebrew. Do you understand? He is a Hebrew slave. She makes that point very, this slave, this Hebrew, this outsider, okay? This outsider, all right? Angered by the accusation, Potiphar placed Joseph in prison. Angered by the accusation, he places him in prison. I mean, he could have killed him. To be honest with you, he could have legitimately killed Joseph, just so you understand. He had the authority to do that. But he places him in prison. Now, seeing that the Lord blessed Joseph, the keeper of the prison placed Joseph over the prison. Interesting, isn't it? Even in the midst of all the terrible things that are going on, even in the midst of this terrible situation he's in, God is still blessing him. Now, in our mind, we think blessing would be, get me out of here, right? God's blessing doesn't take that form necessarily, okay? All right, let's get ready for the morning worship service.